0: You're listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. So, 10 years ago, I was in the, the depths of my addiction. And if you've ever experienced addiction or even just a really bad day, you know that on those really bad days, sometimes personal hygiene isn't really your top priority. Um, It's just really difficult to keep lined up all the things you need to smell fresh. I mean, you know, you got to do the laundry, take out the trash, the bathing, the reliable purchasing of deodorant. So my life was falling apart, but even though my life was was falling apart, I had managed to hold on to my job as an instructor at Duke University. That job was like my shield. As long as I had that job, my, my life was fine, I thought. But I wasn't fine, and none of the that last minute splashing cold water on my face and spritzing cologne was going to change the fact that my life was going off the rails. But I managed to keep up this charade for a while until one day I did what no one should do. I read the comments. I read the comments on Rate My Professor, if you've ever heard of that website. They were pretty good until I got to the end and my heart stopped. The final comment read, I want to love Professor Reagan. He's so good, but I wish he would take a shower. Yeah, I lost it. I started sobbing. My world felt like it was coming to an end. It felt like the worst thing possible about me was out in the open, and I thought it would kill me. Well, it didn't kill me. But what it did do was give me the chance for one of my deepest fears to be dragged out into the open and to see what was underneath them. And a week later, I found myself at my first AA meeting. So when I was reading this week's gospel, it's safe to say it made a lot more sense when I noticed that out of all the feelings Lazarus' sister Martha had to have been feeling when Jesus asks for Lazarus' tomb to be opened, it was worrying about the smell that rose to the top. Smell is a powerful thing. Smell, good and bad, carries memory and meaning in a way that no other sense can. It's, it's kind of like the language of our lizard brain, that most ancient and most hidden part of our neurological lives that is completely unimpressed by logic and reason. The lizard brain, scientists call it the amygdala, is that part of our brain that holds our deepest memories and emotions. It's it's the part of us that doesn't really respond to a well-thought-out argument, but it does respond to things like smell. Like if I just catch a whiff of frankincense. I'm instantly transported to the first time I stood in an Anglican church, and the, and as the perfume mixes with the air in my nostrils, I recall this deep feeling of freedom, a feeling that's hard to put into words because it speaks to that part of me that reason fails to speak to, or like how when I smell the combination of log cabin syrup and burnt pancakes. I accessed this almost forgotten memory from when I, was, I couldn't have been any older than two years old. A memory of my great-grandmother making me breakfast. Good smells carry wonderful memories. We like good smells. But bad smells, they carry more than just memory. Bad smells, particularly ones connected to the human body, they also carry shame. I mean, our bodies are meant to smell, and yet, think of the effort we put in on a daily basis just to prevent them from doing the thing they were made to do. To keep our bodies and the spaces they inhabit smelling like roses requires daily effort. We have to bathe, and for that to happen, first the water bill has to get paid, and then we have to have all the right products from Beth Beth, Beth and beyond, and then the laundry has to get done, and... Don't forget the mountain spring dryer sheets. Oh, and the dishes have to be washed, the trash taken out. And if you're a real overachiever, the bed has to be made and then sprayed down with lavender linen spray. I just got some. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Smelling good is exhausting. And yet we still do it. Despite how much work it takes, we spend all this energy to act as if our bodies aren't subject to deterioration and decay, to act as if we aren't mortal and human. Smelling great is like a badge of honor that we've got everything figured out. I mean, we'll do almost anything to avoid smelling bad. Like move a church across town into a much bigger space with air conditioning, Those of you who were around when we worshipped at St. Thomas will remember what happened when summers would roll around in that overcrowded room full of humans without air conditioning. Hand fans and popsicles will only do so much. It was like a full-blown olfactory emergency. And so, here we are today, sitting in this nice temperature-controlled room, listening to Martha plead with Jesus to not open the tomb, to not let the smell of our mortality invade the neatly ordered world that Martha constructed and that we continue to construct. Remember, Martha, back in Luke's gospel, is the one who is so concerned about the lasagna being served on time and the dishes being done that she misses a chance to just sit and enjoy her friend Jesus. So it's not surprising that it's once again Martha who is So worried about things that don't really matter in the face of everything that really does matter. I mean, Martha is one of Jesus' best friends, and so she has seen what Jesus can do. She's seen Jesus heal the crippled, make the blind see, and raise the dead. Martha has witnessed Jesus eat with prostitutes and touch lepers and talk with outcast women at the well. Martha has seen Jesus transform the most shameful and despised parts of humanity into signs of God's coming kingdom of peace. And yet when Jesus stands before her own brother's tomb, she cannot see what is possible. All she can see is her shame. But that smell, she says, what about that smell? I'd like to think that if Jesus were standing in front of my brother's tomb, I'd be shouting at him to do something about it. I'd like to think I wouldn't be concerned with the smell, but my life story tells me that that's not true. I know that I, like Martha, have this deep, dark part of me that just feels utterly resistant to grace. It's the part of me that has heard thousands of sermons about the love of God and about God loving even the most twisted up parts of me, and yet there's a part of me that still clings to the shame. When shit hits the fan, this part of me sends me running from any healing that's possible because, well, what if people notice the smell? It's like the lizard brain part of my soul. And that's why I'm renaming today's gospel reading The Raising of Lazarus, a.k.a. Jesus Preaches to Our Lizard Brain. Because what I hear in today's gospel is that Jesus comes to heal this part of me too. The lizard brain of my soul that just won't let go of the shame that binds me. And Jesus comes to that part of us by dragging it out into the town square for all to see and touch and smell and as he drags out the darkest most shameful parts of us we get to see that when these worst parts of us are known the one thing we don't want people to see or hear or touch or smell it didn't kill us no it gives us life like when my worst fear my fear of my smelling bad to my students when that fear was dragged out into the light It gave me life because it allowed me to see how much unnecessary weight I'd been giving to that fear. And like with Martha, it allowed me to see that the fear of smelling bad was just covering up the real thing that needed to be healed, which was my addiction. Now, for the sake of honesty, I must confess that after a few days, I uh, found out that my little brother had posted that comment as a prank. I know, it's a terrible prank. (laughs) But honestly, it was a prank that saved my life. And while I'm not saying God plays pranks on us, I do think God tugs on our deepest, darkest fears because she knows what lies underneath them. God God knows that if we can get out from underneath those darkest, hidden places, then we can begin to see how all the ridiculous things we worry about just hide from us the stuff that really needs healing. Because standing inside clouds of rose perfume, it's really hard to know what is rotting. But when we're standing in the stench of the tomb, we have a chance. That's where eternal life emerges from, from the stench of the tomb from the soured laundry that doesn't get washed from the day our kids get to school covered in their breakfast it's from when we get fired or we endure a breakup or your boss notices the smell of alcohol on your breath it it, it is in those moments of shame when we think that the worst has happened that Jesus has come to stand with us and help us let go of the things that are killing us. It is not in front of our trophies and triumphs that Jesus stands before us weeping. It is in front of our tombs and the parts of us that we keep hidden as long as we can. And today, completely unbothered by the smell, he still stands before us saying, "Come out." And he says to our beloved community, unbind her. And in these moments, Jesus shows us where we find our deepest healing and our deepest joy. Amen.